Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we won't be throwing in any towels, dropping by the wayside, or chucking any sponges, because Devin and Ari will inspire us to believe quitting is not an option. Easy Street sounds nice, but the reality of life can be challenge after challenge. How many times have you said, that's it, I'm done, I can't take this any longer? If you're shaking your head, yes, then guess what? You're more resilient than you think because you're still here. In each situation, you're just a click away from unlocking the answer. So, before you succumb thinking you don't have another fight in you, Listen to these two bright and beautifully strong women and their ever-evolving journey of perseverance. Well, hi, everybody. I am so excited to have Devin and Ari with me. Hi, girls. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. I have been following this duo for a while. Now, let me tell you, one of them I've been following for a lifetime because I happen to be her mother. <laughs> Devin is my middle child, um, my daughter who lives in Austin, Texas. Ari is her girlfriend and someone that I have been following, obviously, for the last year or so. But this duo just has a uh, some amazing things going on. And I really wanted to have them on Encouragementology because they're just that. They're encouraging the work that they're doing, not only from um, just their start to all the transitions that they've done throughout their life is pretty amazing. So as any good story has a prologue, teaser, there it was. Um, they're going to tell you all about what they've been doing. So let's kind of start, maybe not back at the beginning, beginning. Um, I won't tell about diapers, Devin. So uh, that's a long way back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. We won't go that far back, but let's just kind of go to, you know, where you two intersected, which was actually, uh, well, you both took the ROTC path. So let's start with the military. Um, who wants to go first and just kind of say how you got on that track? Oh, I figured that one was going to be me. Yeah. So Ari and I met at Fort Hood. So we were both in the army. Um, choosing the army was kind of an interesting route for me. So realistically, I would love to sit here and say that I joined because I'm very patriotic and I wanted to serve my country you know, and all of those nice things, which are not false. That just wasn't really the reason why. Um, essentially, I went against my mother's better wishes and I got a psychology <laughs> degree, uh, which we all know you can't do anything with without going to school for a longer period of time, which I, I didn't have the funds for. I didn't have the mental capacity for at that time. Um, and so ROTC was a good route. You know, I was already a leader at work. I thought that would be really cool. Uh, and, you know, of course, you, everybody's seen the army videos where they're kicking indoors and they're, you know, being a cool guy. And I, you know, I have a hero complex. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. I'll kick in a door. I'll take some names. I'm ready. Send me. And so I think that's that's kind of uh, kind of how I I joined. How about you? Me. Um, so there was right back in Puerto Rico. So that's where I'm from. Um, kind of same thing. I got a degree in psychology, which... <laughs> As Devin mentioned, uh, you can do uh, much with just that. 
And, um, you know, coming from from my, my family background where, you know, we didn't have the money um, to support me through college or anything like that, I wanted to earn my way through graduate school eventually. And I realized that um, ROTC and getting into the Army was a way to to get those benefits and those benefits and at the same time do something that kind of aligned with psychology, which for me, I just wanted to help people. Um, yeah. I just wanted to do something that had, you know, a, a deeper meaning and that it was based on service, which is why I wanted psychology and the army was helping me do just that, just from a different angle. I would like yeah. to change my answer to that. Well, I remember when Devin came to me and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing ROTC. Which branch of the military should I go into? And even though my father served, we really weren't a military family. You know, we didn't have those long, deep roots where I had any any advice to give. So I said, listen, that's all on you, uh, which I normally do. Devin's the middle child, so very independent. But I said, you are going to have to figure that out. I'm not really sure. And so I I don't know your uh, ROTC history, Ari, but um, Devin was a little bit later when she entered into ROTC. So she took a crazy amount of hours in college and struggled with uh, not only all those hours, but a full-time job and the military science and the, everything that goes into uh, getting up every morning and PT. Same experience for you? Absolutely. Yes, the same. Um, so I got in as a junior which I think is what Devin Yeah, did you're not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> Essentially, you have to jam-pack two years worth of um, ROTC instruction uh, within your last two years of college. Uh, so it was pretty intense. I, I felt like I was very much behind my peers, which was a lot of pressure. Um, but I think at that point, I felt like I had something to prove <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that I was worthy of, of the opportunity, right? Being that I, I was two years late <laughs> to the mm-hmm. game. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very intense. I was uh, doing ROTC. I was doing drills because I was in the reserve at that time. Um, also full-time college student. Um, so yeah, it was definitely challenging, but eventually, you know, I I caught up with everybody else, um, and was able to commission and graduate and and ended up being top of my class. So I, I think, you know, um, there's two ways you can see that, right? Either I'm so far behind, I might not have, not try it at all, or I'm so far behind that I'm just going to give it my all. And so I decided that give it my all. That was the only way. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Now, when you think about, you both were a psychology, you both, you know, just kind of went that path. I think Devin was, I mean, it might be different. I, I hear Ari with the service and wanting to help people. Uh, I think that was you, Devin, but kind of in a different route. You were more criminology psychology. Right. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely wanted to help. It was just I wanted to help lead people square into a firefight. That sounded really cool. Um, I, you know, I didn't have a lot. I I felt like I didn't really have much of a purpose. Um, And I was like, oh, this will give me that purpose. Now I have a reason to do all of these things. You know, all of these, you know, I come from, you know, this, obviously you live there. I come from a super small town. And, you know, if you get out and you go to college, that's a big deal in our town still. You know, there were only so many people in my class that even went to college. 
Um, and so I wanted to, you know, make a point. There were, there are these kids that were in my class that were in all these like really cool universities doing really cool things. And I, I stayed close to home. I went to school 30 minutes away. I lived with my mom until I was like 19 or 20, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh man, I am behind the curve. And then of course I joined ROTC late and I'm even more behind the curve. And like Ari said, I was like, oh, I can, you know, I can do this. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger and I'm better and I'm going to be, you know, this, <laughs> this big, amazing force to be reckoned with in the army. Like that was my plan. I was going to walk. Everybody was going to know who I was. I was going to do 20 years. I was going to be general inman, probably a little longer than 20 years, but because <laughs> I was going to be, I was going to be a big deal. And people in Cobden, Illinois, they were going to remember that. That was going to be cool. I'm sure they still do. So how did that go? How did that turn out? I want to know about how it turned out, but then also kind of relating to leading and psychology and how you used those skills um, in the military and kind of what you picked up as a result. I think I can speak for both of us when I say I think the psychology aspect really did kind of set us apart from our peers. Absolutely. Um, so Marielle and I both at Fort Hood were ranked very high among all of the other lieutenants we worked with. Um, and not just by obviously those um, above us, but our peers as well. Uh, and so we... I'm sorry. I have five dogs in this house. And then they... <laughs> train of thought. Uh, that's what happens when your mom doesn't let you have pets growing up. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so the psychology really helped because we were able to kind of like understand our soldiers better. Essentially in the army, uh, unfortunately, there's kind of, I'm the boss and this is what we're doing. That's that mentality. It's an author authoritarian uh, mentality stating that what I say goes, right? Doesn't really work in parenting, doesn't really work in leading. You know, there's a ton of statistics that point that out, which is what we learn in psychology. So of course, when we go to lead soldiers, I do the, hey, here's what we're doing and here's why. I'm going to tell you why. I don't really owe that to you. I'm your boss. But I'm going to tell you that so that you understand that, you know, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and that hopefully if we do deploy, that day does come and I have to make a really quick decision and I don't have time to tell you why, you're going to trust me. You trust me because I've told you every single time up to this point, this is why we're doing something. So you know that, you know, I'm not just making this up as I go. It's not just something that I feel like doing. You know, there is a purpose behind it. Um, and that really served both of us really well. Um, our soldiers still call. I, I answered a phone call <laughs> yesterday at Walmart, walked around with my headphones in talking to a soldier, you know, who was upset and wanted, you know, some more information about, you know, just certain army things that would take too long to go into here. But, you know, and I'm trying to talk him through those. And I'm like, hey, relax. It's okay. You know, and he's like, ma'am. And I'm like, okay, we talked about this. I'm not in the army anymore. My name is Devin. I'm just helping you as a friend. Um, but you know, Marielle gets Christmas cards from her soldiers. They invite us to Thanksgiving, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, the psychology definitely benefited. I think that was a roundabout way. Of I, I think the, and I'll let Ari, um, weigh in on that, by the way, uh, we'll tell you why we're calling her Ari. Uh, her name uh. is Marielle, which, uh, Devin already said, but, um, 
you know, no. I'd like to think of why is buy. I mean, that's a great way to remember why is buy, B-U-Y. So buy in. Like when you're telling somebody the why, you're telling them that so they can buy into what you're saying. And I totally agree with that. You're going to get more longevity out of someone if they understand and have buy-in to what you're telling them. Did you think, I mean, she was speaking for you, but did you uh, have anything to add on that too, Ari? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, actually, something that I, I didn't necessarily know how to put into words back then, uh, but I actually learned today in a uh, real estate <laughs> class that we that we went to today um, that trust is based on character and competence. Um, and I think in the military, a lot of people uh, forget about character, right? They only think of competence. You need to listen to me. You need to do as I'm told because I am competent enough to be your boss. Therefore, do as you're told. Um, but character is important to, to build trust. Um, and so I believe that our soldiers listened to us and, and you know did the things that we needed them to do because we weren't only competent, but we also built trust through character, showing that we cared about them, showing that we, we would take the time to explain why we're doing what we're doing and why we're not doing what we didn't have to do. Um, and so I think that that was just something important to remember. Trust is based on character and competence. Um, and, and that's something that I think we still, we still use to, to today in our real estate careers as well. I love that. Now don't, don't go too fast. I don't want them to know all these awesome things you're already <laughs> doing. <laughs> but You know, the burning question is, um, you know, what is the experience for a woman, strong women in the military, but also gay women? So just kind of like, what was your experience? You're both very strong leaders. I know you personally, so I know that about you. But, you know, how did you approach it just coming out of kind of late in ROTC and all of a sudden you come here and you've got tons of soldiers, primarily men who are answering to you to give us a little insight there? I think so for me personally, being gay in the army made it be or it, it made it a lot easier to be a woman in the <laughs> army. Uh, and so if you, you know, if you were to talk to any straight women, I think they would have a little bit different experience than we did, um, because though women in the army have to prove themselves, that's one big thing you you um, you have to prove yourself to your boss, to your peers to your soldiers, I mean, no one, no one trusts what you say right off the bat, which is nuts because we would see these, in my opinion, <laughs> incompetent leaders, yeah. you know, who are males that could say something and just get away with it. Nobody questioned it. But, you know, the moment, you know, I, I give an order, you know, when I, when I first became a platoon leader, that changed real quick. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as soon as I, you know, I'd give an order and ask a question and everybody's kind of looking at me like, why they're asking me why? you know, why do we need to do this? Why, why are you here? Why did they give us the girl, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, once they found out I was gay, now I'm one of the boys, which, <laughs> which does kind of suck because <laughs> that's, that's what you get lumped in as you're one of the boys. You're not seen as a woman anymore, which you have to play with, right? You, you have to play with that. That wasn't great with all of my other female peers that I was one of the boys now. So I got to do a couple different things, right? But you had to play on your strengths and that's what I had. Right. So, you know, I had um, as a platoon leader, I had 33 soldiers, all of which were male. I was the only female um, in my platoon. It also helped that 
you know, you can't see me on a podcast, but I'm 5'11". Um, and so I, and army boys are not the tall ones. If you're looking for a tall one, go to the air force because they're not, I was, um, one of the, there was one, one soldier who was taller than me. Everybody else was shorter than me. So, um, I was a pretty dominating figure when I came in just with that, you know, and then being gay kind of helped, but being a woman was what set me back. I feel like if I had walked in with everything else and was a male, I would have been a home, run, blocks, a home run from the beginning, home run from the yes. beginning, the, you know, the golden child of the, the battalion. Um, and I wouldn't have had to work so hard. And again, you can't see this, but Marielle had to be, you know, had to have a little bit different approach because she's not quite as intimidating from a stature point. Marielle is five foot two. Uh, so, but what, what I will say really quickly is when I, when I went to become a platoon leader, uh, I went to the same company Marielle was in. And she was already a platoon leader. So she's she's a little older than I am. So she was a senior platoon leader about to be done. Um, and I remember looking at her and wanting to be that kind of leader. Her soldiers absolutely adored her. I mean, they and she had 13 guys, right? We're, you know, there's there's a bunch of things I could say about what kind of platoons we were in, but essentially they gave Marielle the bottom of the barrel, if you will. They they gave sorry. I got the rejects. She got the rejects, right? She got the the platoon that didn't really make sense in the company. They were, you know, they weren't the same um job type as the rest of the soldiers. So they were different. And and they give essentially crappy platoon leaders that position. And so they didn't even give her a chance. I mean, she walked out of the gate and they immediately sent her to the to the sh- crappiest <laughs> Thank that, you. that she could or they could and she just owned it I mean they were yet yeah, they called her mom yes mom yes mom <laughs> everything you know and they they look like chihuahuas right my sister's got chihuahuas that literally look at her with their stars in their eyes and they think she's the greatest thing ever that's how these soldiers looked at Marielle um it was nuts and so and she, I mean she'd say something and they do it and she was friends with them up into a point and you could see the point when they went a little too far she laid down the hammer. They they snapped to attention and they they realized they had overstepped their their boundary. Um, and I thought, man, if I can act like that, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be golden, right? And she did. You know, this was a platoon that would have never gotten a high ranking. You know, the leader that came from there, they just don't get it. You you save that for a different different kind of company, a uh, different kind of platoon. And Marielle got her top block rate, rating. Should have never happened. That's never happened since. I've been there. I was there for five years. Never <laughs> happened again. I watched it, um, you know, and then she went on to be, a, you know, a, a higher ranking position. They gave her another crappy company now <laughs> that you don't send these people to. So they just kind of, you know, let her have the the bottom of the barrel again. And then she turns this into the top company in the entire battalion how does that happen and I was like, I don't know I need to know that that is a glowing reference number one um and I think that was uh not girlfriend but peer and uh yeah no I I thought all of this before I ever dated you I promise (laughs) for for Um, sure but also Marielle tell us about that but also would like to hear too um you already mentioned you're from Puerto Rico and you didn't grow up speaking English as your first language and so you know, here you are, as Devin already mentioned, 5'2 in stature, and, you know, you're young, and you're commanding, and, and you know, uh, English is not your first language. So kind of give us your opinion about how, how you took over. Um, it was definitely very, very challenging because of all of the, the things you've mentioned. Um, on top of that, there was also the, I would say, the cultural 
differences um, that you don't really think about, right? Coming from Puerto Rico to the continental US. Um, so there was a lot to kind of adjust to and learn. Um, so I was learning about the language still. I was learning about the army still because I was a junior officer. Um, and I was learning about the United States as a whole and then the culture. And so it was definitely very challenging, um, but it was kind of one of those things again, where um, I just wanted to give the best of me uh, to my soldiers. I thought they they deserved that. And so I was just like, well, I can either be upset because I got the crappy platoon that no one wants, or I can be upset, but um, work my butt off and make it the best that I can make it and and give these guys, because they were all boys, um, give these guys, you know, the, the training and the knowledge and the tools that they need um, to hopefully eventually, you know, move on to better, greater things. And, and essentially, you know, there's one thing that people say in the army that I think is very true is like, you always want to leave um, the unit or the position better than, than it was before you, you got to it. And so I wanted to make sure that anything I touched um, in the military was left better than it was before me um, and hope that the person after me will do the same. Um, which I mean, they didn't. Yeah, not always. I was gonna but, say, I we can only hope. I doubt yeah, that's happening. Always, but <laughs> no, that's that's what you hope. Um, but then, yeah, and, and then like she said, you know, eventually I I was done being a platoon leader. Then I was an executive officer. Again, they gave me a company. Like she said, that wasn't even an engineering company, which was my job. It was a logistics um company, which I didn't really know anything about. So I was freaking out. I was like, wow, they're, it's like they're trying to set me up for failure here. I have no clue what I have to do. And then they sent me here. It's almost like an insult, right? They didn't trust me enough to do my job. They just sent me to a random job. Um, and then and then again, I, I had to take the same you know, stance and be like, well, I'm going to make this the best I can. Um, and I'm going to do the best I can because these soldiers deserve the best leader that I can be. And that's what I'm going to be for them. And she I got love that. On that too. So she say being, that again, yeah, Devin. She got yeah. She got another <laughs> outstanding on that one as well from a company that was about to be run into the ground. So <laughs> that's great. And I I would I was going to ask you like if you could give advice to someone else. But the, here's the the advice: not would you or would you not go into the military? But knowing what you know now, if you had someone that was another woman gay or not coming into the military what are now that you're out and we'll talk about that what would you give advice to them what would you tell them to establish themselves I would say um don't try to be a man yeah <laughs> don't try to, don't try to be a man you don't have to be a man um you know women can be leaders too and, and embrace the type of leadership that comes with your femininity, right? For me, it was, you know, yes, I, I, I'm I naturally a little bit more of like a tough love kind of person, but I'm also deeply caring and I'm deeply nurturing. And I didn't want to essentially, you know, avoid that part of me or try to keep that away from my soldiers because I needed to be a man and therefore I needed to be rude and mean and, and bad. And so, you know, em embrace, embrace what you are, right? And if you're a woman and you're nurturing and you're caring, um, you can definitely lead from that place as well. And so don't feel that. like you have to be one of the boys. 
Devin, what about you? We get, we, yeah, I would agree with Betty. We get a lot for like, I got a lot of, of, of flack from my, my, um, superior officers for being soft. I was too nice to them. Right. Which made no sense to me. You know, honestly, we were all really the same age. Like they, it wasn't like I was, you know, 35 and these are a bunch of 18 year olds. I'm 22. Most of them are 22. You know, some of them are older than me. Um, and I was, I was seen as being too nice. They were never going to survive war because I was too nice to them. I was babying them. I was mothering them. Yeah. I shouldn't have been doing that. However, we go train with the Rangers, right? And anybody who knows anything about the army, the Rangers, but big deal. Right. (laughs) And we went out there and I took my platoon and I ran it precisely how I was going to, right. We met the Ranger team and it was really embarrassing to be honest, because we go into this really high tech room, super secret. And they, all these Ranger teams, and I mean, they have beards. These are cool guys. They have snipers, everything you want to be in the army. And they're, they're linking these small teams up with each platoon. And so the platoon leader has to stand up, say their names, say how many people they have. And, you know, so we can link up. So when I stood up, I'm like, hi, I'm Devin Inman. I am, you know, I'm with first platoon, whatever. And they laughed. The whole room laughed. I didn't know why they were laughing. And I laughed too, because I didn't know why I wanted to be in on the joke. They're I didn't know what it was. They were laughing at me. When I left, my platoon sergeant grabbed my arm. He's like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. You know, I wasn't laughing. And I was like, why were they laughing? He's like, because they got the girl. The, those rain they're laughing mm-hmm. at the other rangers because they got the only girl first of all i've been a girl since i was 12 but that's besides the point that's fine i'll take <laughs> but it but tell them what happened and so we go do this training and we do it for you know uh, a week straight and it's night missions which is not my my forte so my soldiers have really no idea what they're doing we're having to to do all these things that have nothing to do with our job um and so i'm teaching them the best i can and i'm trying to do my best and i'm i'm, I'm doing everything exactly the way i felt like we should do it and at the very end, the ranger commander comes out there and he's like, I want to give this award, this military achievement award to um, the most outstanding lieutenant with the most outstanding platoon. Devin right. Inman. And it was Devin Inman. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And you know what really sucked was my battalion commander was there and he walked up and he goes, are you sure you don't mean this guy? <gasps> this other person. Hey, dude. <laughs> and he goes, and the commander's like, my apologies. Is that the girl? Because I'm talking <laughs> about the girl. And he's like, No. You know, and it was in front of my platoon is furious. They are yelling, they're booing, and I'm having to control them because this is my boss and he is my boss by quite a few ranks. All right. <laughs> this man is, is my mother's age. He's been in the army for and, 20 and plus boss's years. Boss. He's my boss's boss. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, hold on. You know, and they just, they go quiet. I raise my hands. They go quiet because they listen to me because I care about them. I made sure they ate. I made sure they slept on time, right? I made sure they were getting with it. If they were having a problem, we talked about it. You know, I always had my door open. If you want to come talk to me about a personal problem, you want to talk to me about a problem you have with your parents, you wanted your friends, whatever the case, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's get past it. Um, And all my male platoon leaders, you know, my fellow male platoon leaders, they didn't do that. They were like, no, we don't cry here. (laughs) We're not upset. Here's the army, boys, get dirty. And I'm like, okay, drink away your pain, pain. go have a cigarette and run a mile and come back and tell me it's okay. And I was like, no, no, we can have feelings. That's fine. You can still be a tough boy. (laughs) You want to go roll around in the mud, go roll around the mud. I don't care. (laughs) But you're going to wash your uniform before you come back because y'all smell bad. (laughs) We have have hygiene here, right? We go to the field. My platoon's the only one who doesn't get hand, foot, and mouth because we're clean here. All right. Mama's got Germex in her pocket. All right. We're not doing that. Wipe your face. All right. And, and, you know, it worked better. So yeah, for other females going to the army, you don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be like the stereotypical female PE teacher who is mean to you for no reason. You know who I'm talking about, mom. You know who I'm talking about. 
mean to you for no reason to show that you, you know, you're tough. You don't have to be a jerk to be tough. That's mm-hmm. not what happens. Right. I, I showed my platoon early on. You want me to carry the 250 pound man over my shoulders out? I'll show you I'm tough, but then I'm going to go cry because my legs hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. All right. So, you know, it is I it love is. that, that, that is so amazing. And what great um, advice. Uh, now, both of these women, these strong women, I, I can't say girls, even though they're much younger than me, but these strong women both left the military as captains. So they reached their captain status. And then I don't want to, to take anything away from the beginning of their uh, careers because it was really difficult and they both persevered and left with huge marks and lots of, of awards, but they made a really radical turn <laughs> right out of the military. So what do you do when you have spent the last six years or so in a constant state of uh, structure? I don't know. What do you guys do when you get out? Throw away the structure and you become a real estate agent and make (laughs) your schedule. (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Might I say um, a fully commissioned real estate agent. So these girls went from their structure in the military to just hustling out there on the streets of Austin selling. (laughs) I, I, I can't make it sound bad because they are in an awesome area where everything is super high end. So they're selling luxury real estate in Austin, let's be honest. So why real estate? How did that happen? Okay. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. It's the same reason that I got into the army because I was like, Oh, what do I do next? And again, I have a psychology degree, which means I'd have to go back to school. And you know what Marielle did? Cause she's smarter than me. She got her master's while she was in the army. So she already has that. I didn't do that. I messed up. Um, and so, and so, um, you know, we had a buddy who we were friends with at, at Fort Hood, who was already a real estate agent. And he was like, Hey guys, I think you guys would be really good at this. You know, you both are very, you know, kind of the same characteristics we were talking about. We're both very personable. We we're very empathetic, which is one thing, you know, you can't teach somebody, right. You can, you can feign sympathy all you want, but you can't, you can, you're just born empathetic or you're not, you know, you can't do anything. And so Marielle and I are both, you know, almost overly empathetic people. <laughs> we will, you know, and we love to help. Um, and so, and I think we went about it a little differently. You know, Marielle, uh, went to, got her master's in higher education. She likes to teach, right? <laughs> so she loves real estate because she loves those new buyers and she loves to teach you absolutely everything you need to know. She's going to, you know, let you know what happens A to Z. I do it differently. I am your best friend. Let's get some <laughs> drinks. Let's still go look at fun houses. All right. I will, you know, and then it kind of, you know, bites me in the butt later on when I still get phone calls about homes that have closed a year ago, but, um, you know, and, and so it was, it was a way for us to not be so structured like the army. We weren't ready to do a nine to five. We weren't, you know, it, the army is much more than an eight hour shift. All right. We calculated it. It's, a lot. <laughs> it's 12 hours daily, unless you're on for 24. So, um, you know, we weren't ready for that again. And we were like, Hey, you know, maybe this will be something a little fun. We'll do it for a little bit, make some money and then we'll get out. And now here we are a year later and we're still, you know, we still love it. We yeah. still love helping people. You know, I, I absolutely love helping the clients that other agents are honestly, you know, too big to do, right. Mm-hmm. I got too much going on. I'm not going to drive this, the 70 year old woman all, the, <laughs> all over Austin to go look at houses that are, you know, the lowest that I've ever sold. Um, but she was fun and I liked her. <laughs> <laughs> and so we hung out, you know, and so, 
Um, I think it was just something that kind of happened, but we went ahead and we we rolled with it, right? So now we we take it very seriously. We have a home office. We have a marketer. Um, you know, we we go to real estate meetings. We try to further our education as much as we can. Try to learn everything we can for our clients because they deserve it. Just like Marielle said about her soldiers, she cared more because they deserved it. Um, and real estate agents have a very sleazy almost car salesman like sorry for the car salesman um like sleazy kind of stereotype and and that and that sucks because people are scared to buy houses people are scared to make that commitment and it is it's the, it's the most money you're probably ever going to spend in your life on one thing um and so we wanted to take you know our army approach to it and like we care I'll explain everything to you there's not a dumb question right you want to look at the same house four times before you make a decision fine it's your money it's not mine <laughs> You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to spend your money for you. Um, and so, and that has really benefited us in real estate. You know, um, Marielle's clients came to Thanksgiving, right? They, they came, did. They yeah. came to the Super Bowl party. They did. Um, we got invited over for Lebanese coffee. That was cool. Uh, <laughs> you know what I think is really interesting is that, um, well, you can definitely see in your path that you take risks. And you are not afraid of things. I mean, to to go from um, Ari, that's what she goes by in real estate. So um, that's why we keep going back and forth with her name. But when Ari came over, you know, that's taking a risk. It's going into a male-dominated world. It's coming to a, to a new place, speaking a new language. You know, Devin not having any um, former uh, history in the military, you know, just taking that leap. They both moved to Austin. They're at Fort Hood, one of the largest the largest posts. And really when you're in Fort hood, if you've never been there, you guys can tell us, but it's a huge place. So you really don't go anywhere, but there, and yeah. now out of the military, you guys are all over Austin. So I want to get to, um, before we run out of time, I really want to get to this whole social media sensation that you guys are doing. So <laughs> they are pretty hip. Um, they have done a lot in social media, but something recently this year has spurred on a new kind of a, a new duo team. So give us an idea of what happened in December, which caused your new social media sensation. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so December. December. Sorry. December 26th, day after Christmas. December 26th, the day after Christmas, um, we got home from from Illinois from visiting from visiting you. Yeah. Um, and it's all your fault, Mom. And yeah. uh, and we walked into our house and it was completely destroyed by water damage. Um the the pipes uh they freeze and and yeah, there was just water all over, our ceiling collapsed, and essentially we lost everything that was inside the house. Um, and it was, I mean, it was, it was shocking and it was obviously something that we weren't expecting. Um, so our lives were kind of flipped uh, upside down and kind of in a, in a, in a moment. Right. Um, and so we decided once again, that, well, there are two things you can do. You can, you can give up or you can keep moving forward and giving up is never really an option to me. Um, so we were like, okay what do we have to do? How do we solve this? How do we work this? And then how can we make this something good? And we thought, well, we can definitely share our experience with people and let them know kind of like 
the process of the claim and how it goes and and show them the, the progress of the house from when it's down to studs to when it's com complete and essentially just make the most out of it as well and make sure that we make the most out of that and that our followers and our clients also get something out of it, which is the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, and if, if you're not getting the picture, so it's 10, 15 at night. Oh, they yeah, are I can play if you want. Yes. I'm a yeah. good storyteller. Yeah, go ahead, and, go ahead and tell us about the 10, 15 at night pulling in. So, you had just had a conversation about goals and how right. you were going to start streamlining and cutting back. Okay, now go. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So we were having this great conversation in the car about new things we were going to do in real estate, right? We're, we're reinvigorated. We went on leave, right? Like new year, new year, new us, new money. All right. We're excited. Uh, we got a lot of plans. We're going to buy another investment property. That's what we were talking about. So we get out of the car. It's, it's like 10, 15, 10, 30. And it's, it's pretty cold in Austin. Um, it's like 36 degrees outside. So we're getting out of the car and we're stretching, right? We drove from Illinois. It's like 13 hours. We have Marielle's sister who just moved here. She's <laughs> 19. She's from Puerto Rico. She does not speak English yet. Um, so she's getting out of the car. We're all stretching. And I hear a fire alarm going off. And I was like, oh, no, the cat. The cat is in the house. We have so many pets, but one that we left behind was the cat. <laughs> and so I ran up to the door and I could see the water pouring out from underneath the door. And I was like, oh, no. I mean, I immediately knew that this was not going to be good. So Marielle comes up and she, you know, she was looking at me and we're like, OK, we got to get in the house. So we try to open the door. And we can't. Um, and so I end up shouldering the door in. Right. And it is just it looks like a hurricane. A hurricane and a tornado and a monsoon, everything all at once. It's like raining inside. I mean, there's house. there's insulation, there's thing, there's wires dangling. The cat is screeching. Um, and it's just like because to let everybody know, the pipes are in it because you're built on a slab, all the pipes are in the ceiling. Yeah, so, so the entire a, ceiling came down. Oh, the whole ceiling, 1750 square feet of ceiling, um, on the ground, hanging down, falling actively falling and Marielle and I go into officer mode and this will all make sense of everything we've told you thus far as we have two totally different styles right Marielle immediately you know no no reaction on the face she realizes she needs to turn off the water main right so she just she doesn't say anything she's not like oh my goodness my how no she says I'm gonna go turn off the water main very calmly and walks away and I the other hand am like rescue mission I'm going into the house right kicking in doors looking for this cat as Marielle is now yelling at me I haven't turned the power off there's there's six inches of standing water the power is on, there is dangling stuff. And I was like, it doesn't matter. There is a man in that with no man left behind. I will find this cat. Uh, and so we did find the cat. He's okay. Um, but you know, once we we turn off the water and it, and it stops, it's just it all hits, right? And I'm I'm crying. I'm we lost everything. And of course, this 19-year-old who just flew over here to escape all the hurricanes in Puerto Rico, you know, what little she brought with her in a suitcase is destroyed. All of her little sentimental pictures with her grandparents and letters. letters destroyed. So she's crying. You know, I'm crying. And Marielle is standing there making an insurance claim. <laughs> no, no reaction. Standing outside. And I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. I got the cat. Threw him outside. We're good. So now I'm going to find a bag and I'm going to start getting. I looked at you and Adriana and I was like, go get every important document yeah. that we have in the house while I, I put in this claim. Right. Um, please get passports, get through security, get birth certificates. And and I'm sorry you're crying, but with <laughs> you don't have time. 
right? Do this Devin, now. <laughs> Devin, stop calling your mom. She's asleep. She's not answering the phone. Like go, you know, and so I'm like, okay, so we're getting all this stuff. And, you know, she sounds really cool. Don't let her trick you. I turn around and she's holding onto a PS5 trying to get it out of the house <laughs> while I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking through documents. Um, but yeah, so the entire house got absolutely wrecked. You know, we, you and know, it's still destroyed. It's now still, it's yeah. three days later, totally gutted. So mm -hmm. I want to get before, um, uh, because what I think is so interesting is how, you know, two highly educated, strong women are saying, okay, we could go get a job. Like instead of this hustling of real estate, we could go get a job, but instead you stuck with it. Right. Uh, and, and I don't want to say, I love the word kind of like give up or soldier on you guys weren't soldiers. You were uh, leaders, but still it's kind of neat. But anyway, um, you did this whole new campaign on social right. media, which is just fabulous. So tell everybody now who you are. Oh, we're your homeless realtors. We're, we're, the, homeless realtors. we're the homeless realtors, right? Because we're in a rental. This house is not going to be done optimistically for six months. So we are homeless. And so we've been saying homeless realtors work harder. Work harder. We have to. We have. We need your money. Right? <laughs> we're going to work harder. We want that commission because we are trying to rebuild our home, <laughs> our entire house. You know, it's all of our stuff, everything. There's no couch. There is no TV. Don't be looking for any of that. There's we no got ceiling. nothing. There's no roof now. Right? I may come to the <laughs> listing appointment in a sweatshirt and leggings because that's all I got. <laughs> but let me tell you, I'll sell that house. All right, yeah. I'll sell that house hard. Doesn't matter what I'm wearing. Trust me. Yeah. Like, and, it, and it goes back to you know, you you gotta play the the hand that you were given. Um, and so at that point, we're like, well, how can we how can we split this yeah. and yeah, make it into something positive for ourselves and and other people. And so that's kind of what we came yeah. we came up with. And our market was like, I love it. Let's love roll it. with it. We're I love yeah. it. I love it. It, it is so true. I mean, it's taking adversity and just putting a positive spin on it. And people can so relate to that. I love it. So if you guys, um, I want to share where you, obviously you have your own personal social media, but it's um, give us your Instagram so that people can follow you on that. Sure. Those are super easy. So mine is Devin Inman Real Estate, right? You know, there's not a lot of us. Thank you, mom, for spelling my name super weird. That is Devin with a Y. Uh, no -E -D -Y -N. Email, But my emails are very simple. My names are very simple on everything. So mine is uh, Devin Inman Real Estate. And Ari, I think yours is Ari Perez Real Estate, Real Estate right? Uh, we put we put funny videos on there. Uh, we put a lot about food because we're big foodies. And so we spend our money on my mother hates it, but uh, <laughs> we go to a lot of restaurants. So you'll see that. Um, like I said earlier, we have five dogs and a cat. So you see their adventures as well. And then of course you get to see all of the fun stuff going on with the house. And then we try to teach you some stuff along the way. Um, we try, now we're talking about insurance claims because obviously that's kind of fresh on everybody's mind, but you know, we explain how to, how to buy a house how to, what a VA loan is, what a different kind of loan is, yeah. you know? So if you don't want to ask a question you think is dumb, well, we probably already answered it in our videos, <laughs> right? So you didn't have to ask that question you're worried about. But if you did want to ask, you can, you ask can DM us. us. Yeah, you might you get can. a can. I'll be there. There's no dumb questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they, um, so you can, if obviously they're in the Austin area. So obviously if you're looking to buy or sell a house in Austin, they yeah. are the crew for you. But if you're just, interested in real estate and buying or selling they've got like they said so many tips on their site and they're just super fun uh their video they did a um video a day for 14 days it was 14 dates 
with Devin and Ari. And if you want to see like the best food places and the coolest places (laughs) to hang out in, in Austin, they're doing it. So if you want to live your best life or at least live it vicariously through two people doing it the right way, um, take a look at what they've got going on. I am so glad you guys told us your story. It was amazing. Um, I'm wishing you the very best with the rebuild. I can't wait to follow along. Maybe we'll have you back on when it's done and you could tell us everything that you learned and what you might do differently next time. So any, any parting words for us and, and our listeners? You've been the good one with like knowledge thus far. You want to <laughs> drop some knowledge, um, use that degree. No, I think again, like we said, uh, remember that trust is based on character and competence. And then also remember that you have to do or make the best with what you're given. Um, and, and eventually if you, if you stick to that thing, things will look up for you. And I, I actually believe that. I would agree. I would say giving up is not an option. As long as you take that off the table, you're good to go. That, you know, that's kind of what we're doing. Like my mom said, we could have got, we keep calling them real people jobs. Uh, We have a, we have a job, but you know, a nine to five salary kind of position, right. We could have done that, but we stuck with this because we like doing it. You know, we have a lot of fun. We love educating the the community and the public. And we love, you know, all the things that come with real estate and, you know, giving up on this wasn't an option. So we're just going to have to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean we have to cut back on things we like to do, or, you know, we have to go through 15 different meetings with different contractors to see who's going to fix our house? Yes, but we're not going to just lay down and give up. We haven't done that thus far. And we've gotten, you know, where we're at now by doing that. So as long as you just take giving up off the table, you will eventually find the path you're supposed to be on. Absolutely. And lastly, no question is a dumb question. No question is a dumb question. Ask questions. I love it. Uh, Thank you all so much. We are wishing you nothing but the best. If you want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, You can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, when life throws you a curveball, step up to the plate, duck, catch, or hit it out of the park. Set your mind to positive alternatives because quitting is not an option. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear.